Thank you, Pastor Scott. God bless you, church. So good to be together. We've been doing this series on the gospel, living out the gospel, and we're going to talk about that this morning. And um, I have a title. I don't believe it's PowerPointed, but I'll speak it, and it, it's a subtitle to this general idea, living out the gospel, and the title will be Let Go and Let God, and we'll talk about that this morning. And I do want to offer a brief prayer and then say a couple things and move into our message. God bless you all. It's good to see you. The place is pretty full today. It feels good. And uh, we believe it's full of the presence of the Lord as well. Amen? Amen? So, Father, we pray this morning. We are blessed by the fact that we can come to you. What a privilege to carry everything to you in prayer. And here we are this morning. And we pray that you would meet us. Holy Spirit, rest upon us. Speak to our hearts. Cause us to be different for having come to our Father's house this morning. We trust you to that end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I go into this, I want to say it's a blessing for me, and I believe for Philip and Mike and Mindy and Pastor Scott and others, Bethany recently, what a blessing to have um, people of God come up and be able to encourage um, from various um, walks of life, various perspectives, all people of God. I want to thank Pastor for doing that. It's, it's appropriate, it's right, it's healthy, and I have to say, I wrote a note. I don't know if I'm reading what I wrote. I want to read what I wrote. It's a blessing to meet with and sit and discuss and pray as a teaching team um, very regularly, and it's a privilege and an honor, and it's taken earnestly by everyone in the room when we meet at least once or more a week to talk about what we, what we believe the Lord's flowing through us to talk to the family of God. It's a blessing. And it's good. And I thank Pastor for his, um, his willingness and even desire to do that. That's a unique and healthy thing, church. Can we thank him for that, please, this morning? A very healthy thing. The gospel. So uh, when I was a boy going to church camp, we used to sing a song at a campfire. Uh, and it, I'm not going to solo it here. If, if I could have the lyrics up and we don't have them, you could help me, but... Since we don't, I'll just read it. But it's a song, and some of you may recognize it, and it's short. It was, love, 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 love. The gospel in one word is love. Love thy neighbor as thy brother. God is love. And, that, and we used to sing that. And so um, we're talking about the gospel, and there's a short definition right there, that we love God and our neighbor, and that's the gist of the ideas we've been charged with in the Bible, and there's more, of course. I do want to say this this morning. Bear with me. Today uh, would be my mother's birthday. She's in heaven. Um, my mother was born in 1915. She had me when she was 44. Uh, my brother Danny was 16. My brother Mickey was 20. My sister Janice was 21. And my mother approached my dad and said something, I'm guessing, like, guess what? <laughs> and I say, Hallelujah. So quite a spread between myself and the other three siblings, but um, why am I mentioning my mother? It's her birthday today, May 21st, and the other thing I want to say is, along with the Holy Spirit, she was a main influence in my life to be walking with Jesus. Uh, she tucked me into bed with prayer. She um, gave me a Bible, take me to church, uh, pray over our meals before we began, and so I'm just going gonna, gonna to honor my mother and say, God, I thank you for the mother I had and the influence that she had in my life. So praise the Lord. Praise God. 
I must be nostalgic this morning. I have a keepsake in my garage. I'd like to get a PowerPoint of it. It's a picture that says Foursquare Gospel. Now, that's in my shop. Um, and it, you know, that's a stencil that was on a sign. And when I pastored down south, we put a new sign up. But I wanted, that was going to go in the dumpster. And I said, that's not going anywhere but with me. I love that, you know. And I kind of pinned it in my shop. But why am I showing that? Because we're talking about the gospel and we're the church of the four-score gospel. I mean, we're the church of Jesus and, and the full gospel. In this sense, we're the church of the four-square gospel. And um, so let's, let's reinforce that. Can I see the PowerPoint for Savior, Healer, Baptizer, and King? That's the way I would reference it. That's the way I learned it. It, it seems to be arranged. But to me, it's Savior and Healer and Baptizer in the Holy Spirit and soon-coming King. That's not unfamiliar to many of us, and that's the four-square gospel aspects of Jesus and the kingdom of God. Savior, we're familiar with Savior, and this is the gospel. We've been defining the gospel. In a nutshell, it's John 3.16. If you live in the United States, you, you must have heard John 3.16. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Savior, and not limited to the bridge that takes us from earth to heaven, uh, I have another PowerPoint. It's, it's Psalm 50.23, if we could put it up. This is from the NIV. This is from a certain version of the NIV, and I love this passage. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me, and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. Keep that up for a minute. That, I don't know about anybody else, but when I see a passage like that, that excites me. I mean, consider what that says. He who sacrifices thank offerings, I'm standing in front of the one I should be using. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. I don't understand that completely, but I understand what it's saying. That as we express thanksgiving, as we acknowledge God, I've heard it in Proverbs, pretty similar, he directs our paths and makes them straight. It invites God to come in and exert his saving power in our life beyond initial salvation where our name is inserted in the Lamb's book of life. We're blessed by that, of course. But how about experiencing his saving power throughout our journey? This is one way that occurs, by acknowledging him, having a relationship with him, and thanking him. And so I point that out this morning. Um, Savior, healer. Let's move on to healer for just a moment. And uh, I'll just say Psalm 107.20 says, God sent his word and healed us from all of our destructions. Anyone familiar with that passage? The 107th Psalm and the 20th verse, God sent his word. Well, that's another name for Jesus. And it's also this as well. They're both have healing, strong healing characteristics in them. Jesus, our healer, and the word of God that was sent. He sent his word and healed us from all of our destruction. And um, of course, Isaiah 53 is one of the main points, and there's others, but we won't cover them all this morning. But Isaiah 53, by Jesus' stripes, we are healed. Surely he took our infirmities, surely he bore our afflictions, and by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. What a marvelous passage. So Savior, healer, baptizer. Uh, John the Baptist, as Jesus was approaching the water to be baptized, do we remember the scene Jesus was coming to be baptized? Many of us might say, why was Jesus in need of baptism? Because he was modeling he modeled it. He told John, let's basically, let's model this. It's, it's the right thing to do. And so Jesus was baptized. 
But John said, as Jesus approached the water, do we remember John's statement? He says, I baptized with water to the people that were there, but he, this Lamb of God, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let's not read that too quickly, hear that too quickly, and move on. That is, just that in and of itself is a powerful thing. I would encourage every believer in Jesus to be baptized in water and seek and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. And I could go off there, but I'll probably try to control myself a bit. <laughs> Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is Pastor just brought us through this as we launched out in the gospel message, talked about Peter in the book of Acts with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says in the book of Acts, the first chapter, the eighth verse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the the other parts of the earth or to the ends of the earth. And I'd like to say to us seated here or we will be witnesses in Klamath Falls, Klamath County, Southern Oregon, and the United States and beyond. Amen? We're looking, we're looking at and talking about the gospel. And so, again, the gospel is the revelation of Christ, that we have a Messiah, a Savior, an anointed one, the gospel. And, and the word Savior, yes, Savior. Jesus bridges the gap. We know this. I, this is a little bit preaching to the choir, but we're talking about the gospel as we move on into other things. And we need to cover the main things. And the main things is he bridges the gap. He, he's the one that no one comes to the Father except through me. Those are his words. One of my favorite verses as I was a young Christian is John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Just a wonderful, powerful statement. Jesus is truly the way. And so this is the gospel. And, um, but, of course, we need that because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We need that. So the good news is, and the gospel is the good news, and the good news is, as we mentioned, John 3.16, and it says we'll have everlasting life. That is good news. We say hallelujah to that. And then finally, enough uh, as far as a couple of gospel definitions, um, another definition for the gospel, it's in the gospel, it's in the book. It says, we as believers and followers of Jesus have been commissioned to spread the good news. It's the encouragement we just got in the announcement about City Fest, and not limited to City Fest. Certainly multiple opportunities before City Fest, certainly opportunities in our community in the here and now and beyond we're charged with being agents of this good news that we've been recipients of. And uh, so I'm going to read the, the Great Commission here. I'm just going to read through it. I don't have it on the PowerPoint, I don't believe, but you're familiar with it. And I want to read the Great Commission. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. Jesus came up and said to them, All authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And this is the Amplified Version. It goes on to say, Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Uh, And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance, and on every occasion, even to the end of the age, wow, those closing ideas are stirring. We're not alone. That's also part of the good news. 
Once you receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes to take up residency in us, we don't navigate this thing alone. And he just reminded us, we first got the reminder when we, when we were told, well, as a baby, one of the words they identified him as, one of his characteristics is Emmanuel, which means God is with us, but before he ascended. So from cradle to the time he ascended, he wanted to remind them, I'm going to ascend, but nonetheless, I am with you. And the Amplified says it in a great way. It says, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance and on every occasion, even to the end of the age. I'm banking on that. How about you? I need that. How about you? I need that. And I believe him for it. And and it's real. It's more than just theory. It's been experiential for us. So more good news. We're not alone. And earlier we talked about Savior, Healer, baptizer and king the four square church let me say the four square church along with many denominations and non-denominations are referred to as full gospel spirit-filled pentecostal or charismatic churches a little bit different and 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 believe me no criticism on other mainline churches that bring the word and worship the lord and do missions and do marvelous things praise god we're blessed by them they impact the world but beyond the gospel in general, there's full gospel. If you, if you don't know it, you're sitting in a full gospel church today. It's the four-square church. It's the full gospel church. And it's not so much four-square. I'm a four-square guy, but I'm really more of a kingdom of heaven guy and, and gal, right? I love the kingdom of God. And so to me, it's not a label, but full gospel. I want to encourage us to the full gospel. So we look at that this morning. And... Um, so at this juncture in our Christian walk, let me just say this, at this juncture, as, as we walk, and, and this, I'll say this for Mary and I too, and I hope most of us or all of us, at this point in our walk, we couldn't possibly settle for ministry that didn't pursue all that God had for us and all that Jesus paid for us. Are, are you tracking with me on that? I just, I, I, I'm so blessed to surround myself with people that believe for the fullness of the gospel and everything Jesus purchased. Because on the way to the cross, he wasn't just taking care of our sin problem, but his back was lashed 39 times before he got to the cross. You know, saving, healing, delivering. When he said to Telestai or it is finished, he covered the full gospel. It's all available. And uh, I mean, the problem, you know what the problem is? I've been, I'm wrecked. In a good way, it wrecks you. When you experience God touching you and meeting you and encounters with God, you really can't settle. You've, you've, you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and full, and you want everything he has. You're inclined to lean in to everything he has for you. And I want to encourage us to that end today. Um, I have another plaque. I'd like to put it up. It's another keepsake. I'm be- I am being nostalgic this morning. Do you see this? We're familiar with this passage. Hebrews 13.8. It's kind of a, one of the main watchwords for the Foursquare Church is Hebrews 13.8. Amy Simple McPherson, the founder of our denomination, by the way, which we're celebrating 100 years right now. And, and if we just, and I, I'm not prepared to, nor do I intend on talking about Amy Simple McPherson, but if we talked about Amy for very long, let me tell you, that's the definition of full gospel. If anybody knows about Amy Simple, you know, wonderful influence and impact on the world through the full gospel. And so she adopted this for a kind of a four-square watch. There used to be charter and bylaws that said this should be in every church of a four-square church. You read it in the charter and bylaws. It said this is supposed to be in every church. And 
Um, that might be more relaxed today, but it certainly is what every four-square church gives the charge of, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This plaque was in the lobby of the church that Mary and I pastored, and our daughter remained there. She's now in Kansas City, but she remained there, and when she was there, she said, my dad really hoped he could get that plaque, but he knew we shouldn't take it because he knows it's supposed to be in the church. It's in my shop right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> they were kind enough to give it to her, so praise the Lord. But let's talk about the full gospel. Look at 1 Corinthians 4.20. It's another PowerPoint. This is the full gospel. The kingdom of God is not based on talk but of power. Another version says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. The kingdom of God is talk. There's a lot to discuss here. There's a lot to review and reflect and absorb. But it's also power. The kingdom of God is a matter of power. And we just read Acts 1.8. There was a distinct difference in my life when I was baptized in the Holy Ghost and I experienced the power and the touch of God. I'm just, I, how can I not stand here and witness to you and tell you that when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was a straight-up game-changer for me. It changed me. When I came home from the conference that I was at, Pat Robertson, CBN, the Holy Spirit Unleashed was the name of the conference I went to. Who doesn't want to go to a conference called the Holy Spirit Unleashed? I'm there. I was there. But I was really touched because the mother I described to you earlier, she had just died several weeks before. And I, I, was, I was a fireman, and I wasn't pastoring yet. And uh, Mary said, I said, I think I want to go to this. And she just said, go, honey. You, she just knew I needed to. And she said, go. And God met me. And uh, this is part of the aspect of the Foursquare Church and the kingdom of God at large, not limited to Foursquare. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's for every one of us. I, I make a mistake if I, right now, if there's anyone sitting here who thinks, well, that's just, I'm telling you it's quite clear. Here's why. Here's one reason why. Because when John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but here comes one who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and fire, was he mentioning one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, isolating one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or was he saying to the population at large, just like water baptism is prescribed for everyone, so too I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's, that's across the board for every believer, and I would encourage you to seek it. The key is thirsting and hungering for it. And staying with it. And I encourage you to that end. Let's, we're going to go into Exodus. We've talked about the full gospel. Let's take a closer look. Exodus chapter 3, uh, 1 through 6. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. I think we have more. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the Lord God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And so that, we, we're familiar with that. I hope everyone's somewhat familiar with that text, that part of Scripture. We've read it before. We've looked at it. Uh, Moses saw that the bush was on fire, yet not consumed. A key point here for us to catch. 
why is it in the book? Here's one reason. Um, Moses was about his daily business, and something caught his attention. God was doing something, and he looked at it, and he was intrigued. It's, impo- it's important to be tuned in enough to when we think that might be God, especially if it's our God, our Father, especially if that's going on, that we could ever just say, I'll get to that later. I'll tell you what, I'll get back to you. It's important if we think God's doing something to draw close to God. And so Moses saw that the bush was on fire. So, so then we read, Moses thought, I'm going, to, I'm going to put it in my words, Moses thought, I'm going to check this out. Okay? Moses went to check it out. And here's the important point that follows it. When the Lord saw that Moses moved closer, God got involved further. So Moses, Moses just thought, I'm going to go check it out. And God understood his thoughts and said, okay, you're compelled, you're intrigued. You're draw- it sounds like James 4.8. You're drawing close to me, I'll draw close to you. I will remain. If you're going to come close to me, we're going to make connection. Many people could have said, tell you what, get back to that. Or here's another one that this could be a possibility for a lot of us. I think that's God. That's pretty powerful. I don't understand it. I'm going to keep my distance. I think that's a mistake. If you're safe and with people around you, I'm not saying we delve into things that are, but if we feel it's God, we need to draw closer and see what he might be communicating to us. These are key points. So let me ask you, are you interested in the more? Are we interested in the more? Yeah, amen, amen. We are interested in the more because there's, I wanna say, because there's a whole lot more. I I kept getting this as I was preparing this message. God is a reservoir that has no bottom, and a lot of us, myself included in times past, was my foot was in the shallow end, and maybe I just, you ought to read Ezekiel 47 about delving into the deep end of the pool, where deep calls to deep, and you're experiencing the deep things of God. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm interested in splashing in the deep end. Amen? And there might be times for the shallow end. There would be. City Fest might be a time for shallow end where people are just coming in and we don't overwhelm them with the deeper things of God. We walk with them and allow the Spirit to help them discover those things. But we should not be one-year Christians every year for 30 years. We ought to be 30-year Christians when at a 30-year mark and everything in between. Amen? And so as you draw close to the fullness and deeper things of God, God will meet you there. And uh, we consider that this morning. Let's look at Exodus 4, 1 through 5, as we continue in Exodus. So Moses answered, what if, they don't, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it up by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and turned it back into a shaft, and it turned back into a shaft in his hand, a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Uh, let's look at that for a minute, because this is the, it continues from the burning bush to this sequence, or this scene now. And I think the first thing we need to ask ourselves is what's in our hand. God put everything, you know, everything and many things in all of our hands. Each one of us have something in our hands. Moses had a staff. A little boy had uh, loaves and fishes. Samson had a donkey jawbone. Um, there are things in our hand. And then God says, I, 
and, and Pastor, as we had conversation about this, pointed out quite well, I think. He said, it's amazing how God wants to involve and include us. He could do these things on his own, but he's, he's invited us to, boy, if that doesn't segue right into City Fest, I don't know what does. That we, are, you know, the good news is, I don't know if there's anybody not saved here, but if you're not saved and you want to know what that means and you want to be in the kingdom of God, come and see any of us afterwards because we can pray with you and get you connected forever. But the overwhelming majority of us here this morning are saved and going to heaven. What a blessing to hang with so many brothers and sisters that I'm going to spend eternity with. Okay? But we're called, we're called in this comfortable place where we celebrate and worship knowing that our names are recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, we're called because our Father's heart is, I'm blessed that you're part of the fam. Won't you go out and make contact with people so they become part of the family too? I love them too. So take what you have in your hand and put it before God. He, he, He obeyed further. He put it before God and together they moved ahead. God is showing us what to do and that he's with us. Let's look at the next section of Exodus 4, 6 through 9. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back in his cloak, and, while he, and, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. And, and it says, but if they do not believe these two signs... Or, to, uh, or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it on the ground, the water will take, you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Um, so that's an interesting sequence of events. We won't park there too long other than to say, God said in those ideas to Moses, the miracles and signs are to gain their attention. And uh, oh, I, this is important for me to say this right now. Um, I don't seek miracles and signs. I'm not opposed to them, and I'm interested in them because they can be very beneficial, like a healing or a miracle or a restoration uh, that is, people would say unlikely. For instance, when we pastored down there, there were three marriages, Scott and Val, Jim and Carol, and uh, uh, Scott and Val were the last one I did, and then Joe and Jessica. Those three marriages over the course of our ministry, they were legally married, divorced, living in different places, and Mary and I had the privilege over time to meet with husbands and wives respectively, talk with them, counsel them, and remarry them while their children beamed and they were getting married. Why? Why? Because nothing's impossible with God. See, that's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. And so... Um, I'm blessed by the power of God at work. There's one example. But uh, what I do is I'm interested in the souls. I don't know about you. I'm interested in the kingdom of God being expanded and pursuing him and praying for people and asking him to show himself at their point of need, whatever that happens to be. And if those signs happen, they bring confirmation to the gospel that's presented. That's the purpose of the signs. So I don't chase the signs, but I have to tell you what, I'm not opposed to signs, and I've seen marvelous signs and wonders and things at time that make me go, that's even a little bit out of my box, but you're a big God, and I trust you. Amen? This, this uh, subject can make people uncomfortable, but it's not uncomfortable to me because I trust him and I trust the people I'm with. And, uh, but he said, to, he, I mean, those are pretty radical things that he did with, with Moses. 
And uh, I think we read somewhere he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So those things are still happening today. And so as we look at the last few things here this morning, I want to share personal history briefly here. I had on my pastoral staff um, a prayer team leader. His name was John. And he was a retired engineer in Santa Rosa from an optical coding laboratory. He also had been a pilot. Uh, I'd called John left-brained. John was left-brained. He was analytical. He was logical. And interestingly enough, he was childlike in his faith. I mean, it's an interesting combo that John had. Left brain, analytical, logical, um, really. But John had such a childlike faith that um, he was intrigued. He was like Moses. He said, I got to get closer to that. That's fascinating. And so... um, he also had, uh, like I mentioned, faith like a child. He wasn't put off by the deeper things. He was intrigued. I met John and his wife, Lucinda. They went to a different area church in Santa Rosa, but they came to our church because they heard we would contend for healing. And I met them, and he met with us at our church with his wife for prayer on several occasions. They also would go down to Petaluma, California, south of Santa Rosa, about 14 miles, to a room called the Petaluma Healing Rooms to seek healing for his wife who was ill and, um, and she was given three months. And they would go into the healing rooms in Petaluma and get prayer and she'd go in jaundice. She was obviously pretty ill if they said, you've got like 90 days. And she'd go in jaundice and uh, two hours later she'd come out ready. And uh, say this, even though she was given three months, let me say this. First of all, I don't think doctors give us anything. The Bible tells us our times are in God's hands. So if a doctor told me a number, I'd say, you know what? With all due respect, sir, you don't give me anything. God, my, hand, my times are in God's hands, number one. And number two, a diagnosis is not a verdict. Listen to that. Diagnosis is not verdict. So, she lived three years. Not three months, she lived three more years. And she's with Jesus today. That journey was rough, it was extended, it was longer, and she passed away, and we all contended for her. And, uh, you know, these things are hard, obviously. Um, It wasn't long, though, after she passed. It wasn't long before John joined our church. Uh, John and I traveled to South America on several occasions. We, we did missions trips, um, and there was much emphasis on healing when we went on those trips. Uh, I eventually had John in charge of our prayer team at church. Uh, he trained not only people in our church, but people in the region. He came and trained them. And, and he, uh, he was very good. He was a project manager, an engineer. Uh, he was so well-versed. He had his ducks in a row. He did a great job. And uh, we saw at times, we saw at times healings, and we also had disappointments when folks weren't healed and passed too, and everything in between. We saw all of that. Things are hard to figure sometimes. But when a five-year-old girl named Savannah came from Vallejo, a little girl named Savannah who had leukemia, her mother came from Vallejo and heard that we prayed for people, and they brought Savannah because the doctor said, Savannah, you're to her mother, your kidneys are failing, there's not much more we can do, and the mother came, and uh, we contended for healing for Savannah, and uh, we prayed for her, and the short story is Savannah got healed, 
Uh, she went to school. She lived life. She's 23 years old today. That was in 2006 um, because he's not only Savior, he's healer. Savior, healer. Um, now, I want to I be sensitive. John, John knows who, and, and to, let me just tell you today, John, by the way, John is overseeing a large healing ministry in Sonoma County. I'll talk more about that. But due to the fact that we saw Jesus touch Savannah and be healed and others too, we continued contending for others. Times when no healing occurred did not keep us from, from pressing in and believing for others. After Savannah was healed at five years old, I thought, Lord, you shut up and touch this little girl. And the next wave of people that came in, I thought, I know you can touch them too. And sometimes people were touched and sometimes they weren't. But after that Savannah got healed, I'm a cooked potato. I'm done. I'm wrecked. It's like I saw you do it and I'm believing you to do it again in situation X, Y, Z, and ABC. Sometimes it happened. Sometimes it didn't. But can you understand? Would you not keep contending after you saw something happen? And so... You can't see the power of God at work unless you contend for it. And so I want to say this right now. Lord, help me here. We come up here after church, and we're available to pray for you. And it, it's, there's no magic at this time and place. But the Holy Spirit is present, and the Word has been preached, and the worship has gone forth. And where we saw a lot of these things happen, we're in the church, but not living in a church. God heals people in the marketplace, believe me. But... I'm just going to say for me that when we put our backs up against you and we're available to receive you, a great majority of you are walking out. Some come forward, and that's fine, and we love praying for those that come forward. And some of you have legit reasons to say, I'll get back to you. But I want to say, for addiction's sake, for marriages that are strained, for people that are lonely, for people that have emotional and spiritual and mental challenges, financial challenges, physical challenges, if you believe prayer changes things, I'd sure like to see a whole lot more people coming up for prayer. And I'd like to see a whole lot more people in home groups and midweek and Thursday morning at 7 a.m. and Tuesdays at noon and, and not limited. This is not, please, I, wanna, I told myself, don't blast them with guilt. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to encourage you that by some of these examples, prayer changes things. And I want us to be people of prayer because God, we're learning. God meets you. God will meet you. And so... Too much said already. I'll keep rolling. Today, John is the leader of an Earth Bay Area healing ministry called Greater Works Healing Rooms, and they meet people every Saturday, uh, twice a month, for saving, healing, and deliverance. It happens. It happens. Um, praise and worship team, you can make your way up. If you'd be so kind, I'd like to see the, the praise and worship team come up. Let me finish with these ideas. Moses drew closer to God at the burning bush. And, and uh, as we read in Exodus earlier, right? Um, do we remember, church, stay with me now in this last couple of minutes. Um, Moses drew closer, and as he drew closer, do we agree that we just read there was dialogue that happened? Right, there was conversation that happened, okay. Um, because God was calling Moses into his destiny, right? Bethany Holmes, I believe last week, talked about her destiny. Terry Klein is, is living in her destiny, these are destinies. Pastor Scott talked about being a dentist, going to school, and he's here, and we love having him here because he's in his destiny. You see what I'm saying? Moses was being called into his destiny. There was dialogue that took place. So 
Um, I'll try to streamline through this. When I was a firefighter in Santa Rosa, I was vying for promotion after being in the department a number of years, and I was interviewed multiple times for almost 10 hours in different testing processes. I'd always finish in the top three, and uh, I was an acting captain a lot. I was well-versed for it. And the door kept being closed, and finally I said, I just don't think, and I prayed, and I, I asked God for some confirmation, and I started thinking, I think that door's closed, and I shouldn't pursue it. And so I stopped testing. One day I got a call from a guy who I had coached. He called me up, and he said, I just got a call. I just got promoted to captain, and I thought you'd want to know, thanks for all your help, man. And I thought, well, yay for you. I probably said something encouraging, but I sure was thinking it. <laughs> I already had sensed. So, so the idea is I had actually stopped testing, and I was in my dining room when I got that phone call at my dining room table with a, a black Bible that I had zipped closed, and I thought, the thought came to me, what if, maybe it's okay if you go to another agency besides City of Santa Rosa and pursue this, because you sure have prepared for it. So I said, Father... Father, Father, can I have a word from you? Can I, can I do this with another agency? Can I pursue this? And I, I went like this, and as soon as I did, I had like an arrow shooting across my mind, the, the scripture, Luke 13, 5, just like that. And I went. That's Luke 13, 5 right there. I looked it up. I went to 13, I came down, I saw five, and I read, I tell you no, exclamation point. And I chuckled a little bit, and then I said, yes, sir. And I was done pursuing it, and I stepped into a destiny. Because Psalm 75 says, the promotion comes from the Lord. And God had that promotion for me. There was no way you can be an officer in the fire service and pastor a church full time. But when you drive a fire truck on your days off, you can put your coat on a hook and your helmet on a hook and go on your days off and do what he's called you to do. I actually did it in the firehouse too. I did what I was called to do. And you know what I'm blessed by? I'm still doing what he called me to do. I love it. And so let me say to you all, let's give him heaven we have something before us here in our city, our county, our region. Let's give them heaven. Let's point people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. And I thank God that he's empowered us by his Holy Spirit. I, one of my favorite sayings, more to follow. Amen, church? More to follow. Amen. <laughs>